Please bow our heads as we pray the prayer of illumination. Father, we now pray that you would illumine our minds more and more as we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Open our eyes to see wondrous things in your word of truth. Open our ears to hear your still small voice speaking to us the word of life and open our minds and cleanse our thoughts so that your Holy Spirit may guide us into all truth and may be increasingly willing to submit and may we be increasingly willing to submit to his gentle promptings so that he may guide us into your way of peace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The first reading today is from the New Testament, the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 to 29. If you want to follow along on the Pew Bible, in the Pew Bibles, then that would be on page 942 and 943. I'm sorry, that would be page 1061. I'm a little ahead of myself, unless you want to stay in Luke. Galatians 3, 23, 29, on page 1061. Listen to the word. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come. We are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus You are all children of God through faith. As many of you, as were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to the promise. The word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And so now you can turn to pages 942 and 43 if you would like to follow along. Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding. 
And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. They used to know him, you know, back when he was normal acting and actually wore clothes. Back before he started running around naked, screaming at people, breaking stuff, disrupting worship, before his family finally had to ask him to leave because he was frightening them. Maybe in this day and age, we would say he had a mental illness, but their understanding of his behavior was that he was possessed by demons. They sent him out to live in the cemetery where the tombs were, you know, in one of those open caves that didn't have a dead body in it yet. When he got really bad, they chained him up, but he was still able to get loose from those chains. He was awfully scary sometimes, but still, it didn't seem like there was anything to be done about him. Really, it, it was fine, you know, except when they needed to go out and bury someone, or if they happened to need to pass by the cemetery on their way in or out of town. And, you know, he was out there all the time, so everybody could see him, but they just kind of ignored him as best they could and took care of him every now and then as, as need be. We aren't sure why Jesus went to the Gerasene people. It was across the lake, wasn't on the way to much of anywhere that Jesus would have been going. It didn't really make sense. The Gerasene community was mostly not Jewish. So the pigs that were there, that were unclean to Jesus and his followers, were a source of food for this community and one driver in their local economy. Yet we know Jesus is one who didn't worry a lot about what he was supposed to do or who he was supposed to hang out with. Jesus, therefore, came into town. And after a chat with the demons and with the man possessed by them, sends the demons into the nearest herd of swine. The swine run off the cliff. The swine and the demons are drowned. The man is saved. The town is rescued from being in this really unhealthy situation. And everybody lives happily ever after. Right? Hmm. Maybe not so much. Because it's a funny thing, as a result of this good gift of Jesus, this gift of health, the removal of demons from their midst, the townspeople come to Jesus and say, would you please go away? 
for these people are not all that happy about what Jesus has done. I mean, sure, it's nice that the demoniac has been healed and he's sitting there with clothes on. We like the clothes on part. But the herd of swine is gone. Their pigs are dead. The power that Jesus brought to do this is scary. If he can cast out demons, what else might he do? What might he expect from them? And more than that, the cost of Jesus being in their midst was too obvious. Terrifying enough that he can cast out demons, but can't he figure out a better way to do it than to destroy the town's livelihood? So in their fear and their anger, they tell Jesus to please go away. There was a cost for restoring the man to health. It's interesting to realize that the people of Gerasa preferred the demon they knew. That is, they preferred the daily cost of having a very unhealthy person in their midst. Many days, maybe the cost was even hidden from them. He was just a part of their lives. They were used to paying the cost of having these demons in their presence. But when Jesus came along, the cost of restoring the man and even the community to health was very obvious, and they didn't like it. The man in Gerasa tells Jesus that his name is Legion. His individual self has been subsumed by all the things that can and do go wrong in life. Sometimes when I watch the news or read the paper or follow social media, it feels to me and maybe to you, like much of our community and culture and even our individual lives, have been subsumed by a legion of pretty unhealthy conditions in our community and our world. The many demons of oppression, anger, fear, marginalization of the other, damage to the environment, local and global violence, mental illness, physical illness, homelessness, refugees, and so many more are hard things to face, much less to change. But they carry with them both overt and hidden costs. For instance, no matter what you may think, about some of the solutions to our health care crisis that have been attempted or suggested over the last few years, the truth is our health care system has for many been broken for a very long time. Fifty percent of all bankruptcies in the country are due to medical expenses. Twenty-eight percent of middle-income families regularly struggle to pay for necessary health care. Fear of the costs of health care keeps some from going to a doctor until they are desperate and their health is critical. An increasing number of senior adults in the country regularly choose between food and necessary medicine. Mental health issues all by themselves carry with them not only financial costs but deep stigmas and fear much like was shown to the demoniac 2,000 years ago. And limited financial and social resources often keep people struggling with mental health issues in situations where they cannot get healthy. I could go on, but you get the point. The hidden costs keep people unhealthy, and that means our whole community 
can't really be healthy. And it impacts us all, if not directly, certainly indirectly, financially, socially, spiritually. There is a cost, even when the costs seem hidden or we're privileged enough to ignore them. It's the same when we address issues of, related to the environment, poverty, violence, homelessness, and more. And when attempts are made to change the system and the cost of making those change comes forward and gets really obvious, like the people of Garissa, we don't necessarily really like it either. And then you add to that the feeling that these concerns are legion that the costs and the difficulty with making headway in fixing any of this long list of troubles in our world seems overwhelming and insurmountable. How do you choose where to engage? Yet, I believe in the words of the scripture our children learned this week. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by God's power at work within us. By God's power at work within us. I wonder how the demoniac felt about the community of people who shoved him off to live in the tombs and who wanted to send Jesus away. One answer might come in what he asks of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he begs of Jesus. He begs to leave with Jesus, to go with this one who has made him safe and whole. To not go back to a people who sent him out to live in the tombs. But the people of Gerasa are not the only ones for whom there is a cost for health. I imagine the last thing the man wanted to do was go back into his community and tell everyone what had happened and how he had been healed. But Jesus understands that full health for the man and for the community will not really be accomplished until the man can become once again a fully accepted and active member of that community. It is only once he returns at Jesus' instruction and talks about his experience with Jesus that true health can begin to come. The man who is healed receives grace and healing with no upfront cost to him. Instead, the cost is what Jesus asks of him after he is healed. For us as Presbyterians, this is a reflection of how we understand grace and salvation. For grace comes from God through Jesus Christ through no action of our own. We cannot put enough in the offering plate. We cannot do enough good works. We cannot even study and learn and believe enough doctrine to earn our way into God's grace and salvation. Know that grace comes for us as it did for the demoniac, free and unasked for. A gift that cannot and will not be taken away. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ. This gift of grace is the gift that Christ brings through the Holy Spirit. The gift of hope for the future, even in the midst of a legion of difficulties. 
Joan Chittister talks about hope this way. She says, hope is not a matter of waiting for things outside us to get better. It's about getting better inside about what is going on outside. It is about becoming open to the God of newness. It is about allowing ourselves to let go of the present, to believe in the future we cannot see but can trust to God. Then whatever the circumstances, however hard the task, the struggles of life may indeed shunt us from mountaintop to mountaintop, but they will not destroy us. Hope is the gift Jesus Christ brings even in the midst of a legion of difficulties. But then we are required to step out in response. Because in response to that gift of love and joy and grace, Jesus expects and asks much of us. Jesus asks us to declare how much God has done for us through word and deed, to be fully a part of our community, to seek its health physically, spiritually, socially. And while the cost of that health is not paid as an upfront price to receive grace, there nevertheless is an expectation that we will sacrifice our own ease and comfort and maybe even a few pigs along the way in order to respond to that grace. And I tell you, I see those who work towards living into that expectation. Every time we baptize a child here, the whole faith community promises to nurture that child in the faith, to teach them the good news of grace through Jesus Christ. So over the last many months close to a year, we have had those who take seriously their baptismal promises. Parents, yes, but also grandparents, teachers, leaders, all kinds of folks with and without kids involved in the programs of the church who sacrificed hours and evenings for months coming to meetings and thinking deeply about how we can tell the good news of Jesus Christ to our children. And this past week, one of those sets of meetings culminated in a week of vacation Bible school. There were those, even those without children in our program, who took days or of the whole week off from work, not to go on vacation, but to serve the children of the community and to tell them of what God has done. The cost of raising children in the faith is not borne by the children, but by the parents and the community who promise to raise them to know the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And yet, in teaching those children, this week they began to teach those children about God's call for us to bear responsibility for the health of our community and for the world. So those children raised nearly $3,000 to set up 10 chicken houses in Kenya to help folks in Nairobi to develop their own businesses, to improve their own health, to provide food and health and economic stability to their villages. And by the way, they need just over $100 to get to that 3000 See Susan Dalton if you'd like to <laughs> help out with that. But I also need to tell you that this week these stories came in of children who went home in the afternoon and instead of going to the pool or going off to play with their friends, 
set up lemonade stands and popsicle stands and washed cars and did chores at home and for friends and neighbors so that they could give of themselves their free time, their own money to help care for children around the world. Christ asks us to help pay the cost of spiritual, emotional, and physical health. Yes, even for those other than ourselves and our families. But don't these children show us that the cost is one that brings the joy of hope and health to our world? For as they learn to respond to Jesus' call to share the good things God has done, these children will hopefully become the youth and adults who go on the cross mission trip, who go to the Honduras later this summer, who took time to engage and lead our youth at Montreat and in Sunday school, who give time and resources to support the hands of Christ, who serve others through our English as a Second Language program, who engage issues of systemic racism through the bridge building team, to be deacons and others who take time to care for those within and outside in the community who are suffering from broken health of mind, body, and spirit. All these and more are ways in which this community acts in response to Christ and in hope of continuing towards the restoration of health and wholeness, a gift that Christ gives us and a work to which Christ calls and equips us. We cannot bring health to our community on our own, no more than the people of Gerasa could heal the man living in the cemetery but Christ offers that health. The Gerasene community did not become healthy simply because of the legion of demons were cast out of the man. But the whole community began to be healthy when Jesus said to the man, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And the man was obedient to what Jesus asked of him. What is the cost of welcoming Jesus into our midst? What might Jesus expect of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church? What might Jesus ask of you? I'll tell you first that you declare to the world how much God has done for you. And in doing so, live in hope and trust that the world can be healed. Because God is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by God's power, which is at work within us. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>